This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Cap Rules Everything Around Me. Cream, get the money, dollar dollar bills, y'all. My name is Jeremy Cohen, and we are three hours, three hours, three days, a little under three days away from the start of NBA free agency. A lot of chaos that I expect to go down. Really excited about it. It's best time of the year. Meantime, obviously, there's some drips and drabs rumors. Who knows what will come of those? So I expect this to be a very active time. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's a little bit of chaos before Friday. Maybe not necessarily for the Knicks, but just with other teams, be enjoyable as a basketball fan and as a fan of, uh, of drama. You know, who doesn't love a little drama? It's great. At least when it's not necessarily surrounding our own team, our, only, our own mental health. Um, one big thing for today, you know, I've kind of talked about this a little bit in the past, but it's probably one of the more pressing things. Uh, and it comes down to, do the Knicks want to be in the tax in the 2024-2025 season? Now, the Knicks don't have to solve that problem this summer. They could theoretically do it at the deadline. But given where they're at, I think it would make a lot more sense to solve it now. Um, if they want to do that again, I am of the mindset. It's not my money. I can understand kind of getting to the point where you don't need to hit the luxury taxes here. You can potentially be economical and still have your, have your cake and eat it too. Next year is where I'd really like them to spend, but that's kind of where the question comes into play. And it really goes to Emmanuel quickly because look, maybe the Knicks do the complete opposite of what my perception is, which is that they really like Julius Randle and they like Obi Toppin, but the mixing and matching isn't quite where they want it to be. And that Obi in a contract year plays somewhere where he has a chance. And so that's the understanding, but then it comes down to Emmanuel quickly. And I just keep thinking about the potential of him in a deal. I wouldn't want it, but trying to see, okay, look, if you, if you did move quickly and you had other pieces going out, there is a world where you can duck the luxury tax this year and next year. We don't have to like it. It's just kind of what is, especially if you consider if the Knicks do wind up signing Dante DiVincenzo and having him in this team on this team, how his salary next year would impact the luxury taxes. You, you're getting closer, but you're not quite there. So a lot of it really comes down to if the Knicks want to be in that position. And we talked about, uh, we being John and I talked about Dante DiVincenzo a bit this past uh, Saturday, Sunday, I guess Sunday it was. And, you know, it, we came to the, we had the agreement that if DiVincenzo is in, someone is likely out. And looking through the numbers, I know a couple people, Post, I know XJ posted about it and uh, Prez was sending something back and forth. And it just looking through it, I don't understand how there is time 
for all these players, um, all these players being Brunson, Grimes, Quickly, and DiVincenzo. I don't get where the math comes of it. Um, it's really tough. It's a real challenge. And as someone who, again, really wants IQ to be here long term, not trying to put fear, just just talking out loud in terms of a scenario of what if they do get DiVincenzo? What does that mean? The impact of these other players. Uh, my concern is with the playing time and the impact there. I mean, for context, DiVincenzo, his very first season, his rookie year, played 15.2 minutes per game. And then uh, the year after that, he played 23. And the year after that, played 27 and a half. And he got hurt. And the year after that, it was 23.9 minutes per game. And last year, it was 26.3 minutes per game. So I don't see a world where DiVincenzo is playing less than 23 minutes per game. And he hasn't even played under 23.1 minutes per game since his second year in the league. So it's tough to just get all this math to work. And that's then my fear of the ripple effect that what DiVincenzo creates is an opportunity for the Knicks to move players in some capacity and kind of shuffle it. And again, John and I talked about the math and how, unfortunately, it's a very clean fit if you are to take you know, a Zach Levine type trade where you're taking RJ, you're taking IQ and you're taking Fournier and the money that goes out and the kind of the wiggle room that it provides you. And if a separate deal, if you're moving Obi and how that transpires. Again, this isn't about want. This is just about working our way backwards. And it didn't have to be Levine. There are other stars, plenty of other stars. We walked through why Paul George doesn't really work. Why Cat with the salaries, that's not really an option. Um, and Zion. So maybe there's another star that hits the market. I don't see James Harden necessarily leaving. And if that's the case... Embiid's not going anywhere. Look at a, a bunch of other stars. You know, I, we were joking. I don't know if it's so much joking, but talking in the the KFS faculty chat of John Collins going to the Jazz and XJ put it well, where he said, basically, the whole Laurie Markkinen situation went from a pipe dream to a dream. Whereas there's not really a belief that the Jazz would trade Laurie Markkinen, but it stands to reason in a year where they would keep their pick. If it falls top 10, the West is going to be super competitive that maybe they do try to sell high on. Maybe it's not even selling high. I mean, maybe they could sell higher than that, but Mark and I had an incredible season. Is he available? Are the Knicks interested? They should be. If he is all of that into play and how the pieces kind of fit. But I just, the more I think about if you're telling me heart ops in, and we'll see what Thursday brings if heart opts in on thursday i think we can have a pretty clear indication of what's next to happen and then when next to happen being divincenzo then what type of impact that has on the other players and what type of impact that then has on the team and the roster construction so um here's the good news as of right now the knicks haven't done anything so in my mind there's no need to worry about what hasn't happened yet we can think about what will happen. Maybe we can be concerned about that. But we are at the point right now where the players are on the roster. There's no movement right now. It's kind of the calm before the storm. And we will address it if, when, whatever happens with this team. There will certainly be movement. It's just a question of how many pieces, who, what are they doing, all of that. So, uh, yeah, I wish money were no object. And maybe it still can be. But I, uh, man, it's just, it's hard to 
to take a closer look at what the following year looks like if you don't have IQ there and how that just ducks the luxury tax. And uh, again, we will see. I don't want to hit the alarm, but it's, it's a concern. It's a concern of mine. So hopefully we have better things on the horizon and we'll just uh, take it as it comes. So that was my one big thing for the evening. XJ is not here. If you were here, <laughs> oh my goodness, I've had a very long day, so I apologize. Justin's running the show. Justin's been great. Justin, apologies. I'm, I've walked 22,000 steps today. I'm exhausted. What do we got going on? Because now I'm pumped and let's do it. Perfect. Thank you, Justin. Darren Hood, I have an important question. What will realistically happen with the Knicks during free agency and thoughts on Jacob and Obi? You know, realistically speaking, I, I see DiVincenzo as an option and I see the Knicks trying to find a home for Obi. The real question for me is, again, that ripple effect. What happens in terms of getting... Okay, if you've got DiVincenzo and you've got Quickly and you've got Grimes and you've Brunson. Oh, and you also have Barrett and you have Hart. That's just too many guys. That's an insane amount. And Deuce gets left in the cold. So something, at least one or two of these players, you have to imagine, is not on the team next year. And it's not going to be Brunson. And Hart's going to be extended, assuming he opts in. And even Chenzo would be coming in. So we're talking about one to two of Barrett, Grimes, Quickly, and McBride that would not necessarily be here. It sucks. That really sucks. It genuinely does. But that's kind of where it goes. And then the thought process is, which two? Is Forney involved? What is your target? All of those different moves. So uh, realistically speaking, I'll say they signed DiVincenzo. Um, that Hart, you know, again, this is all Hart opts in. Then he opts in and extends sometime in August. And that the Knicks keep, uh, what, I guess that was seven players? That they keep five of the seven. And even then, I mean, it's tricky, but it would probably be five of the seven. You'd then have someone coming in. That's a lot of, it's still, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing that bothers me the most. As much as I hate the idea of moving young core pieces that we've all grown to love to various degrees. It's like, okay, you're telling me that if the Knicks rolled in with a situation that was Brunson, Grimes, again, like if it's not RJ, and then you've got Deuce, and then you've got uh, DiVincenzo and Hart, and Quickly and RJ are gone. Again, I'm, I'm just using Levine as the example here. You can use other players. You could say Paul George in terms of like different maneuvering. It doesn't really matter. I'm just going with Levine because of the math. You're looking at it, and it's like, well, that's... That is a really good team and there is depth still there and you do probably not give up as many picks because you've given up RJ and Emmanuel quickly in this situation, which I still wouldn't love, but then that would reduce the pick package. So it's crappy, but that's kind of where the realistic part of it is, or they just mostly stand pat, right? Like maybe they do have too many guys. And then we're saying at the deadline, the Knicks have too many players. They've got to move someone. And usually it works its way out. We talked about, hey, remember when Fournier was in the fold? Suddenly he wasn't. Uh, Derek Rose was seeing minutes. Suddenly he wasn't. So these things do work their way out. But Hart's not going to lose minutes. If DiVincenzo's here, he's not going to see a drastic reduction. 
quickly is going to need playing time. RJ, you can only do so much in terms of, yeah, I get it. He's not closing games last season, but how often is that going to be the case here? Uh, what's Grimes' role? Obviously, Grimes wants to take a step forward. We know Brunson's going to be there. Uh, McBride, is he not getting any minutes whatsoever? So there have to be hard decisions if you bring DiVincenzo in, and there probably have to be hard decisions uh, regardless of DiVincenzo. So, uh, Darren, that's that's what I would say for that. And as opposed to Jacob and Obi, uh, Jacob's on a two-way spot. Uh, you know, it's the sort of thing where the Knicks can always break that two-way contract. There are three of them now with the new CBA. So you could always elevate Jacob you know, once the deadline comes, if you need to fill a roster spot and he's a cheaper contract because time has elapsed on a prorated minimum contract, you could do that. But I don't see Obi and his presence being impacted by Jacob Toppin on this team. If anything, I, it probably makes me feel like it's more likely that there's an Obi trade because they're still doing the Toppin family a solid. And then they're doing the Toppin family another solid by moving Obi to a situation where we would imagine he has more free reign and ability to play. So thank you, Darren. Danny Landis. What about making a trade for Harris? I would imagine Tobias Harris is the case. So uh, Harris really would be playing more of the Randall role. I think at that point you got a couple fours um and if rj is still here then you really have a couple fours so you have three but rj probably wouldn't be here based on the math harris is making close to 40 million dollars so even if you moved fournier out derrick rose is no longer on the team so you have to find salary in some other capacity so if it's not rj or randall uh and it's definitely not brunson it's not gonna be grimes it's not Hart because he's not gonna opt into then be Delt, um, it's iHeart, it's Obi. I mean, it, it's that might just get you there, might just be there. But at that certain point, it's it, it it's not what the Knicks need. They're not now. They're trading three, we're really two rotation players and good expiring salary for an expiring salary uh, for a player that really doesn't fit with what the Knicks are doing. So I think Tobias Harris is a better player than it would appear. I don't see his landing spot being New York. Mythic Monty. Thank you so much for the super chat contribution. Hi, Jeremy. What do you think about a consolidation trade for Ananobi as a starting small forward? I know Raptors uh, value him highly, but what, uh, who would it take money wise? I, you know, the thing with Ananobi is if he's a starting small forward, then it means that one of RJ or Grimes is not starting. And theoretically, they are not on the team, um, at least for one of them. You know, if you move out RJ, you're losing a lot of the dribble drive penetration that you need. It has to be made up in the aggregate between Grimes and Ananobi. Um, I think the way Ananobi moves, he's, he moves more like a four. So now you've got, if, if RJ is still here, it's a similar problem to the Tobias Harris one we just discussed, where you've got three guys who are really more built, kind of operating like fours than anything, uh, at least based on how the Knicks run their schemes and Tibbs. So uh, if it's not that, you know, I mean, yeah, you could just make the math work with Fournier. The math isn't the hard part. It's the fit and who would go out. Because, again, if you wanted to keep RJ, it's just not a great basketball fit. Uh, and if you wanted 
to, uh, and also it's expensive because then you have to pay OG Ananobi as well. And it's not that the Knicks can't do that. They can, but it's, these things add up and timing. And I, again, I still think they scratch the OG itch with Josh Hart, but maybe that's wrong. Maybe they decide, no, we actually want both of them because they can still provide complementary things in some capacity. So the money's fine. It's really just fit with the players and the roster. So I, I just, I still am less sure about it than I was say six months ago, 10 months ago. But the fact that he left clutch is kind of interesting. Curious where he lands. So thank you, mythic Monty. Jason M Begley mentioned Bruce Brown as an Emily target thoughts. I may prefer him to Dante. I wasn't sure if, uh, uh, if what was said was more sourced or kind of, of that ilk because they're similar players in some capacity in terms of their roles. I like Bruce Brown. Uh, my fear for him in general is that he gets a huge bag and which is good. I want him to get a bag, but that his role changes. I think he's perfect in that position. Um, he's definitely good. They're around the same age, strong defender, um, crafty for sure. I like him. I just, my guess here is connections are what will win out if it were between the two of them. And Bruce Brown does not have the same connections that Dante DiVincenzo has. So I'm thinking that, yeah, as a backup, but there are probably other teams that see Brown as not a backup. They see him as first priority, like the Mavs, for example. Do they see him as first priority? Is there another team with the mid-level exception, full mid-level, that wants to give him the money right away and we get some sort of uh, announcement? right as free agency opens that he signed somewhere else wouldn't be shocked at all. So they're similar players. I do love the fact that DiVincenzo is such a great catch and shoot high volume player, but uh, I can't, uh, I can't say I would be upset with Bruce Brown as a Nick. He'd be certainly very happy about that. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable, but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer 
fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird, B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Ranger, thoughts on the value proposition of holding on to their pick bevy past the deadline this season? For me, it seems like it would be more prudent to fire away a couple for an upgrade now. I agree. As long as the Knicks aren't too barren in terms of what they can offer, then that's important. You know, we've talked about step in and how that can be impacting you. And it goes to show, and again, it depends on the player, it depends on the star, all these things. But the idea of would you rather send out more young talent or future draft assets in terms of unprotected picks. And I think that if the Knicks were, if they're number one star, we're in the building. And I don't mean that as any disrespect towards Jalen Brunson, who is phenomenal, had an incredible postseason. We all know how well he did, but someone who throughout the entire regular season as well can be that top 10 top eight MVP type player. If the Knicks had that player, I think it would make a lot more sense to trade draft equity, but they don't, they still are looking for that player. So if it frees up your step in concerns, I don't like it. I understand it. I get it. Um, I wouldn't do it that way, but I, I see kind of the method to that madness there. So the protected picks are now sort of the, it's hard to get, stars with protected picks, but if you're able to put more players, good players on the table, that's when those picks might come into play. So uh, I'm fine upgrading the roster. This is a, a roster that needs upgrading. I like the idea of adding talent through the mid-level exception. That's good. It just, again, don't mean to sound like a broken record. It's just going to be the case. Um, that's that's just going to be it's going to be a tough move as a result of that. It's kinetic. It, it likely has to happen. And if it doesn't, then we've got an issue with playing time and something we can all uh, enjoy because that will be a lot of fun. Uh, Hulu Caesar or Julu Caesar. Uh, what is the actual benefit of bringing in uh, DiVincenzo unless we're moving off from IQ? That's kind of where I have resigned myself to saying, I mean, unless you're able to move Deuce McBride instead of IQ, in which case you're able to do that. But I just, uh, Oh man, I just, I'm in the same boat. I'm unfortunately in that's my same mindset. Uh, and it sucks. And hopefully it's not the correct one, but that's peace comes in. Peace likes peace likely goes out circle of life. So, yeah. Sherwin, Knicks Film School. Please tell us how can the Knicks afford to re-sign IQ uh, or to sign Dante DiVincenzo? So, they're mutually exclusive. IQ's salary is going to be the same salary this season as it was always going to be. 
It's next year. He'd be extended and his contract would take place the 2024-25 season. DiVincenzo, they can use the mid-level exception and sign him that way. I would assume that they duck the tax this year. They're able to do that. They can have both. It's really, can they play with both? Is there not, are there enough minutes long-term for both? But they can do it. They they can extend in the same way that, you know, they could theoretically last year have signed, not Brunson, but Hartenstein with the mid-level exception and extended RJ Barrett. Um, they don't, there's no issue with that extension. So uh, they can do both. Uh, Julio Caesar again, Jeremy, although we lack the cap space, is there a world where we can force Brooklyn into a sign and trade for Cam Johnson? What number is realistic number? Uh, that's too, uh, it's too rich for their blood in terms of millions. Uh, yeah, there's a world. It's just a very complicated one. Knicks haven't gone off after restricted free agents. I think that's the right move. Restricted free agency is often a trap. Uh, it's not always a trap. For example, there's a report that the Pistons are really interested in getting Cameron Johnson, reuniting him with Monty Williams, and that his offer could, I think it was like four years, 80 million. Is, it might have even touched 100 million last I saw. I don't know. The Pistons can do that in the same way the Jazz could just take on John Collins' contract for nothing. Small market teams are able to overbid for talent because the cap goes up. It's better than what they have and they're comfortable with it. It'd be kind of funny to see the nets um, have to match a contract. That's really high for a player considering that was their MO to start their rebuild with guys like Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb. The Knicks are going to have a really hard time of doing that. And, you know, Cam Johnson, he's uh, he's an EPM darling. The analytics love him. Really strong player. Not one the Knicks are going to get. It's just, uh, it's not impossible, but it's so difficult. And I won't bore you that it's, uh, it's, I just don't see it as likely. But again, really strong player. Some team is going to get a good player. And hopefully it's the Pistons and the Nets decide, nah, we're good. That's too much for him, as good as he is. Will. Thank you for the super chat contribution. I go to Nova. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo viewed as mean person by peers. I I wonder if that is mean on the court and or off the court. Um, but that's uh, interesting. I I don't know. Listen, if he gets along with Jalen Brunson and uh, if that's the reason Josh Hart opts in and extends instead, then uh, he can be a little bit mean. But hopefully he's... If it's mean, again, mean on the basketball court, love it. And if it's mean off of it, that's, that's not great. I don't love that. I want people to be nicer. So uh, thank you, Will. Uh, Flavor Phrase, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. Great work as always. Thank you. Thoughts on a three-way trade. Knicks get Spida, Cavs get Levine, Bulls get Obi, IQ, Evan, two firsts. Trade solves a lot of problems. Right. Uh, it's funny you say this because I had similar framework of the Knicks getting Spida and the Cavs getting Levine and the Bulls getting a hodgepodge of things. And I sent it to uh, some friends and the response was no. Um, I, I get it. You know, I think the thing with Donovan Mitchell is he obviously wants to be in New York. As I've said, I still feel like Brooklyn is a far more logical landing spot this year or next year. 
I just, they've got so many picks. They want to keep Mikhail Bridges. They want to build around him. And I actually am totally cool with that mindset. I so often it's either compete or tank. And I legitimately like the idea of using Mikhail as a way to kind of lure other players and keep amassing talent. You've got the pick, so you might as well. And your picks are already outgoing to Houston. So you really might as well try to put a winning team on the floor. So uh, this, this actually, it does solve everyone's problems, but it also doesn't, if that makes sense. Like, yes, uh, the Cavs, for example, they get Levine on a long-term contract clutch player with uh, Darius Garland, another clutch player. That works for them. But then the money gets a little tight because now they have to add salary because Mitchell's making a decent amount less than Levine. So are they sending a piece? Are they potentially going to a luxury tax situation? Bulls would definitely need more than OB, IQ, Evan, and two firsts for this to happen. Then there's a thought process of the Cavs saying, well, wait a minute. We gave up all of this for Donovan Mitchell. Not for Zach Levine. We actually believe that we could re-sign Donovan Mitchell here. So we're actually trading for, like, we traded three unprotected firsts and Laurie Markinen for Zach Levine. Uh, we don't like that. We're going to need more as well. So then there's the question of, are the Knicks giving up assets to the Cavs to compensate them in some capacity? Um, it's one of those things where I feel like on paper, it works super well, flavor phrase. I'm with you 100%. Uh, in reality, I, I'm skeptical, but I appreciate the idea as, you know, from one person to another with this idea, I, I respect it and I appreciate it, but it's one of those that it's just, I just can't see it. I just can't. Thank you. Keith Turner, you didn't draft anybody and no trade. And yet we don't hear nothing from Leon Rose. That's why I'm frustrated. I get it. I get that there was very little movement. Um, I want to say this free agency hasn't even started yet. I get that the draft came and went and the Knicks didn't really do anything of note and that a lot of other teams did. And it's easy to point to those teams and say that I want that. I want that to be the case. Again, I am not the type of person who believes that Leon Rose speaking to the media means anything. Um, Mike Dunleavy said excited for at least four more years of Jordan Poole. And what did they do? Uh, the Warriors traded Jordan Poole, not even two weeks later. So it's lip service. Um, I, you know, it's the whole thing of facing the music. But at the same time, the Knicks had their most successful season since 2013 playoffs. So I'm okay. I'm cool with it. I understand that there needs to be some sort of accountability. But I think that also comes from the moves themselves and the actions will speak far louder than any of the words will. Um, so with that being the case, I don't share the same frustration, but I understand where you're coming from, Keith. That being said, June 27th, free agency starts June 30th. I would imagine some fireworks might be that day or that night might be the next day, all the sort. But in the meantime, let's patience is a virtue. Let's wait a little bit, and then we, we can circle back to this potentially in, say, a week. Hopefully, we don't have to, because it would mean that the Knicks have done enough that, that those moves speak for themselves. 
Uh, Jay Vertical, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. What's up, Jeremy? Is there a route the Knicks could take into doing a sign-and-trade? Uh, Rui for Obi with Lakers trending towards re-signing D'Lo and Reeves. Let's go, Knicks. So, um, probably not. I mean, the Knicks can't... You can't use the MLE as a traded player exception yet, as we talked about. So... You have to sign, you can't sign and trade a player into that exception. So that's, if you could, that'd be easier. We, the math actually might be a little better. This is the wrong year for that to happen, unfortunately. So uh, I don't see that being the case. So the Knicks might have to go the cap space route. They'd have to clear money. That's a lot to do. They'd have to move Fournier, just dump his salary outright. And then they'd have to move more money. So. It's tricky. I would be very surprised. Uh, I'm also curious if the Lakers do re-sign D'Angelo Russell. It's going to be a real, real question of, are they staying above the cap or are they going below the cap? Or as I like to call it, Schrodinger's cap. We don't know. Hopefully they make a decision. I mean, they have to make a decision. It's just a matter of what they do. Uh, still, you know, the market's not great for talent. Maybe they're able to land Van Vliet, but that also means renouncing Rihachimara's, uh, you know, bird right or restricted free agency and clearing his cap hold. Can they get a wink, wink, nudge, nudge of him into the room exception? Maybe. And then if he's, but if he's an unrestricted free agent, that doesn't stop a team with the full mid level from then just signing him outright. So if they were to do that and he were an unrestricted free agent, the Knicks could, in theory, sign him instead of DiVincenzo or anyone else to the mid-level. And uh, then they could trade Obi somewhere else, which would indirectly be the trade that you're talking about, Jay Vertical. But I just don't think the likelihood of that is high. I think the Lakers probably just hang on to his matching rights. He won't get a ton in free agency. He had a couple strong performances in playoffs, but he had a fine season. So I don't think he'll get a ton of money. I, I think he'll probably get somewhere around mid-level exception amount, but yeah, the sign and trade is just too difficult for it to really be there. But thank you for that. Good question. JD, do you see Brooke Lopez as an Emily option or will he get more per year? Would the Knicks even be willing to move Mitch to make that happen? Lopez makes more sense with RJ and Randall, in my opinion. Lopez does make more sense with those two players in mind. I mean, Look, he's going to make more than $12.4 million. The Raptors, Raptors, the Rockets, my God. Uh, the Rockets are offering a lot of money to him reportedly. The Bucks can still go above the cap to retain him. If I'm a Knicks fan uh, with my eyes sort of, but not really, I'm like, hey, what's going to happen with the honest in 2024? I don't expect him to go anywhere, but you never know. That's when I would be hoping for Brooke Lopez to leave. Milwaukee and to sign with a team like Houston. But even before that, the Bucks are in the conference as the Knicks. So any conference team that gets weaker is an advantage for the Knicks. So uh, I'm sure if the Knicks got Brooke Lopez, they'd be willing to move Mitchell Robinson. But Brooke Lopez, I believe, is 35, 36 years old. So uh, that's a lot. I think if you're a team like the Rockets, what makes sense is like what they're trying to do with Van Vliet, reportedly a two-year $80 million deal, something like that. I wouldn't give that to Brooke Lopez. The Rockets probably won't offer that to Brooke Lopez. But that's a lot of money, and the Knicks can't get anywhere near 
doing that. So uh, I just don't, based on how his market's going to look, I don't see him as being an option. Drippy, if Obi is moved, do you think RJ could play backup, play the backup four minutes? Could. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've seen it in spurts. I think if the Knicks really needed to hold down the fort, they could do it. They could absolutely have him. They could have Hart there. Uh, it's not that Hart can't play the four. It's just that his rebounding is elite for a guard and his rebounding in general is really good. Uh, just he's six, four. So if you were to have him at the four and RJ six, six, you're losing a lot in terms of the height. And that's why I'm so curious about what the Knicks would do with addressing who would be Obi's replacement. And I'm stuck. It's almost one of those things where I'd see it if it happened in real time. And uh, I'd either be extremely confused or like, oh, yeah, I, that was obvious. I should have seen that the whole way. It's just uh, they need more size. That's size and strength are important. The Knicks have a lot of strong guys. They just uh, don't have a ton of size there. So uh, he could do it. Sure. But it just wouldn't be as optimal. And I think the other thing, too, is that backup four spot. You really need spacing. It's a really important part. That's part of why Obi's not playing more in Tibbs' eyes. It's part of why he may not be on this team next year. It's the spacing factor. And that's not what Hart's going to give you. And that's not what Arj is going to give you. So can you find someone who is a good enough player to see, you know, 12, 15 minutes at the four, space the floor, won't get absolutely torched on the defensive end. Uh, it's not the easiest, but I feel like there has to be someone out there. And again, if the Knicks don't like a move, they don't have to make it. It's just, there's a ripple effect with all of these things. So yeah, they could play the four, or RJ could play the backup four. Just the spacing concerns are very much apparent, and I would not love that. Nick Jr. 79. How do you feel about Anthony Simons for Fournier and Grimes? It creates room at the guard position. Simons is 25, good defender and three-point shooter. Um, I got to be honest, Nick. Simons is not a good defender. Uh, he's, he's pretty poor. He's got a good pull-up ability. I, I'm at the point where it's like there, there aren't untouchable Nicks not named... Jalen Brunson, but there are Knicks where if they move, I would really wince, right? Like I would wince at Emmanuel quickly because I think you're selling a little bit shorter than you could, but I recognize the contract is coming, but I recognize the contract is something that can help you with continuous soup with Grimes. It's, we saw how bad that starting lineup was when he was out and when Fournier was in his place and then how he stabilized it to perfection. Not perfection, but it was that good. And he's on a cheap contract. You have him next year and the year after, and then you pay him. To me, if I'm, you know, if there's a player I'm more upset about moving, it's Grimes over IQ, and I'm upset about both. I can't understand the Grimes part of it. I can understand the IQ part of it um, just because of, you know, minute per dollar. I don't know how or impact per dollar. They, they exceed that by far. Both of them do, but one's getting paid before the other and potentially taxes are a, a thing for this team. So I wouldn't go about that route. It's just not something that, you know, and then you're looking at, okay, you've got 
Brunson and Simons, who are good pull-up shooters. And then you've got RJ, and then you've got Randall, who's also a prolific pull-up shooter, and Mitch. And it's similar to other scenarios we've run through where there's just no strong defender not named Mitchell Robinson in that. There's probably not even an adequate defender in terms of bringing it every single night. You know they're not going to be a liability on the defensive end. That's a problem. So Simons, I think it makes sense to move him if I'm Portland. I don't think it makes sense from the Knicks to receive him or to move out Grimes. I would imagine maybe the Blazers are able to get more defense, maybe a better two, three, but they don't also have that many assets to upgrade. So I don't envy the Blazers at all. Not one bit. Gerard B. What are the Knicks going to do when Brunson gets his bag next contract in two years? I would hope that by that point, they are more than comfortable going into the tax for him. And it doesn't even matter. Because he can get paid, and I'm, and I would imagine that the Knicks have forecasted. We know he's going to make a lot of money. How can we build a winner around him as he makes a lot of money? And obviously, he will get a larger amount than the cap will exceed based on year to year. You know, he's making like twenty five million, twenty four million uh, in twenty twenty four, twenty five. So the jump from that to thirty percent max is going to be far greater than the salary cap going up from the. 24-25 season to the 25-26 season. But I would imagine that they will plan accordingly. And again, my sincere hope is that they don't cut corners there. Um, I'd be surprised if they did. But who knows? The, who, who knows? But they'll be fine with Brunson. They will be okay. They'll plan ahead. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Julius Randle's All-NBA season was more than meets the eye. In scoring over 1,900 points this season, Randle moved into 20th place on the franchise's all-time scoring list. He also averaged just over 25 points a night, becoming the seventh Nick ever to do so. Finally, he became just the 57th player ever to top 57 points. How's that for some symmetry? Yes, we're disappointed by his playoff performance, but even so, this season from Julius Randle gave us more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that 
Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Danny Landis. Jay, what's up, bro? Uh, have you heard any rumors? No. <laughs> uh, not to be boring. I I haven't heard anything. Um, it, you know, it's pretty quiet right now. Um, there's just not a lot. I, yeah, I wish I had better answers. I wish I had the intel. It's just I don't. I don't know. It's more of a read and react than it is anticipate sort of thing. So I'm relying on a lot of the other people to report stuff and I'll react to that. But no, I'm not going to be your rumor guy because I just there's nothing I really have that would be of note. Akiva, who would be a good locker room vet to target if Derek Rose doesn't come back? Man, that's a great question. It's so difficult because we're not in the locker rooms. So we're going off of perception Still, I don't know. I I still get this feeling that Archer Diacono was very appreciated in that locker room. I think there's secondary texts to support that. I can imagine he's an energy guy. And let's face it, if they have three players at Villanova, I would imagine they'd add a fourth. It's not like Archer Diacono's phone is blowing up right now. So he's probably the locker room type guy, but there's going to be a fun vibe I would imagine between all the Villanova boys and I doubt they'd be too clicky, but I don't know. Cause I don't know him personally. So, you know, maybe they do that. It also, I look, I'd love to see Taj as an assistant coach. I think we all would love that, but, but this is now a team of veterans. You know, this isn't really a rebuilding team anymore. They've crossed that threshold. They're a team that's ready to compete in some capacity. And so, uh, Yes, you need mentorship, you need leadership, but they also don't need hand-holding. Who knows how many of the young players are still going to be on this roster. Uh, hopefully it's a decent amount, but it's going to be, a, what, at least three? So if it's at least three, let's say six or seven are guys 25 and up, uh, that's that's a veteran-focused team. That's that's different than where we have seen this Knicks team in a while, uh, probably three, well, actually two seasons. Cause that awful season of 2021, 22 had a lot of veterans on it and look what happened. So it's nice to invest in the youth, but I think in terms of the, the locker room vet presence, they've got enough veterans there where they can handle themselves just fine. And they come from esteemed programs, Villanova, uh, Kentucky, uh, Duke, assuming RJ's there. Um, so uh, Kentucky, assuming IQ and Randall are there. Yeah. So I think they'll be, they'll be fine in terms of vets. I would imagine from the outside looking in. Bo Ismail. I wouldn't mind DeAndre Hunter move RJ back to the two. Yeah. I, they need a really good catch and shoot guy. I, maybe that's what Hunter has, has been. I know there's one year where, I mean, pull up wise, he was just butter. He was off the charts great has not gotten to that level but yeah you know it's like okay well you're trading for deandre hunter uh, 
who are you sending out? Money's got to work. Atlanta's trying to slash some payroll. The moving Collins open up the mid-level exception. I would imagine they still want to move money as well. I just don't think the Knicks are necessarily the team to accomplish that. But I'm fascinated by if where Hunter goes anywhere because the Jazz could have been an option, but they're out. The Pacers were potentially an option, but now they might go after Harrison Barnes. I think if Kuzma doesn't sign in Sacramento, that you know that would make some sense for the Hawk for the, the Hawks for the Kings. So there are other spots that I would imagine Hunter would fit in better, and that more easily are able to take on his money than the Knicks would be. So uh, I, I, you know, there's got to be a low usage, strictly catch and shoot guy. Grimes does that role to perfection. I don't see Hunter doing that. And I think he's getting paid to the point where you can't have him be just a expensive off ball wing. Uh, just, I just don't think that works. Ben Kim Gurvey. Thank you for the super chat contribution. Ben, does the new CBA change the relative value of future focused assets, picks, uh, short-term assets, expirings, etc.? Yeah, it does. Well, for the short term, it's essentially if you have to hit a certain threshold before you get to training camp, it helps to take on money, especially, you know, expiring money, uh, especially if the free agent class might not be particularly strong. For example, this class, I don't think is I mean, it's not very top heavy, but there's some good depth talent there. Next year, I'm fascinated by it because Sabonis likely off the table. Brown could sign all NBA contract or an extension of some sort. DeJounte Murray will hit free agency, but I, you know, not a ton of teams with cap space there. Uh, maybe Ananobi hits free agency, maybe not, but teams are going to want to have, they're going to have to spend some sort of money in terms of the long-term assets. If you feel like you have really good second round picks in the future, you're not going to want to move those. If you have uh, a lot of picks, you might want to consolidate at some point because you can't pay everyone, but you're also going to want to hang on to them because it's good currency, probably better so than, you know, it's a lot of cheap talent. But I'm also fascinated by how this will lead to teams no longer paying third and fourth options, like their second and third options that they can just kind of freely move. That ship seems to have sailed. And I really wonder how that impacts someone like quickly or quickly is going to want as much money as he can get completely understand that. Why wouldn't he want that? Jordan Poole was six man for the warriors, won a title with them, essentially dumped to the wizards. Uh, Tyler hero seems like he's thrown into every single Dame rumor. Yeah. I mean, that's, those are the guys who I think were considered to be a tier above quickly from the offensive standpoint, obviously quickly makes up for a lot of that defensively, but you kind of consider that. And then you're left thinking, okay, well uh, what's quickly going to get, how easy is it for us to move him? Do we want to go through that process? Hopefully the Knicks do, but I can't help but wonder if his salary demands might stay stagnant and the Knicks might say, look, we're not going to do that. Other teams might say, well, we're happy to bid for him and all of that. But the Knicks don't typically let these players get to restricted free agency. They try to make it work. And if they don't make it work, 
they will technically show you the door. Uh, if not soon, if not, if not immediately, it's soon. So, uh, yeah, it changes a lot. The whole approach is very different and cost-cutting moves. Like, look at the Nuggets. They had a situation financially where they don't have a lot of picks, and yet they turned one pick into uh, getting two picks in the 2024 first round. And then they moved that into this year's draft. And then they drafted, what, three players all from like 27 or 20, 29 to uh, 37. I think it was, that's, that's great. Great job by them. So that's what teams are going to look for. And that's why having seconds of teams that would be on the downswing will rise in currency more so than they have before. Thank you, Ben. Flavor phrase can recently drafted uh, players be included in trades this offseason? Curious because I'd love to roll the dice on Cam Whitmore using Obi, uh, etc. So they can be. Uh, quick history lesson: players, their cap holds are still there, but you can trade them uh, and trade their draft rights. Doesn't count as salary outgoing. It's when a player signs their contract that's when they now count as matching salary and you can't move them for 30 days. So when the Cavs somehow got LeBron James and they had Kyrie Irving already and they wanted Kevin Love, but they had already signed Andrew Wiggins to a contract, they couldn't move Wiggins for another 30 days. And then that's when they were able to finalize the deal to get Kevin Love. And that's why it was, an early August or mid August press conference because the situation is in place. Now, if I'm Houston, for example, I had the intention of Whitmore at four and I got him at 20. So I'm not going to move him. I'm keeping him right where he is. Teams often don't move off of these rookies unless they are including them as part of a large trade. So a team that trades for Dame, they would probably put someone in that type of deal. But it's unlikely that you'll see it for a team that is not sending out a star, sending out anything lower than that. It's just they don't add it. Sometimes you could be added for salary. But again, there's a time, a waiting period and all that stuff. So uh, I just don't uh, for the Knicks, that's unlikely to happen. They're not going to get any of these picks or the players draft with these picks. They made up their minds on draft night. We don't want them. And uh, that's kind of that. Dirty Dancer, if IQ has to be sacrificed, I'd rather be pack packaged with Randall for a big would even gamble on Zion. Yes, that's admittedly how I felt in terms of the following offseason. It's like, cool, you get quickly, let's say he makes $20 million in his first year if it's an ascending deal. Um, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's a descending deal and they actually get him for much cheaper than we'd initially thought. And you pair that with Randall's salary that's with the trade bonus the trade kicker somewhere around $30 million. You're looking at up to 50 million in salary. A lot of guys making that money where the math works. Uh, perhaps, perhaps that could be the case, but yes, if there's no one on the market, that's quite that level for um, you're moving IQ out and you're getting Randall out the door this year, then there's no one. Um, it's still tough for me in terms of with Zion because of the spacing how now you're looking to move Mitch or you're looking to move RJ and you have to find somewhere where it works, but you know, it's, uh, it, it's the sort of thing where it's just, um, 
takes a lot of other pieces. But that's that's star town. If you get a star on the door, you want to try to build around them. Zion's a star. The availability, of course, we know. But yes, there's certain packages where you could understand an IQ and where you don't understand an IQ. I'll know it when I see it sort of thing. Will, how would you feel about a Tory Craig edition? Weird question. I know. Will, not a weird question at all. I appreciate the question. Tory Craig, I envision him as being re-signed by the Suns. They can sign him for 120%, I want to say, uh, of what he was making. So might, it might be a little more than that. Might be. Anyways, I minutia. In terms of here, yes, definitely could see how he bridges the gap. I don't know if he would be comfortable coming to a place where he's likely to only spend 15 to 20 minutes backing up Julius Randle makes more money. Most likely staying with the Suns. I mean, unless the Knicks offered the full mid-level exception. And even then he's, I believe 33. So that's a lot of money to give to a 33 year old. Doesn't have that PJ Tucker impact. So I wouldn't necessarily see the fit here. I'd, be comfortable with it for say like the biannual exception amount, but that's less than he'd be earning if he went back to the Suns. And it just takes one Kevin Durant injury for Tory Craig to be starting at the four spot. So I think he makes more sense just staying where he's at. I expect him to do that, but maybe another team comes away and says, "Yeah, let's uh, let's do this, Tory. Let's let's make it worth your while." I just don't see that being the Knicks. I think the thing that makes the most sense for the Knicks if Obi's going out. It's to trade for a four, either one-to-one or in general. Uh, Could be another transaction, something of the sort. Ranger, how long can the Knicks really kick the can down the road? Can't see them having uh, any top 10 picks in the foreseeable future. I guess it's the question of what does kicking the can down the road mean in this context, right? Because it's not like they traded out of this draft on draft night. They traded out when they wanted Josh Hart. So yes, they could have traded into the draft. That would have been the opposite of trading of kicking the can down the road, but they kind of just stood pat based on where they entered the draft. Um, again, I like I wanted them to draft this year if they, especially if they didn't draft last year. But I think the numbers are going to be so close that I can see why they may not have done it. But we'll have to wait and see because if the numbers shake out in that way, then makes total sense. And if they don't, then I've got some questions that I will be asking myself live on air, likely on Friday. Well, 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 I see a beautiful face and it's not just mine. It's the one and only Chris Persian and Chris, how you doing, buddy? Hey, bud. I was just going to say the same thing. What's going on? Um, good. I'm good all over the place. I uh, just picked up my mom from work. That's where I'm at. Got a car in the shop. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a little bumpy week. No pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, doing pretty good. It is post draft season. So I'm waking up not in an existential fear. 
feel good though? Excited <laughs> about the fact that it's behind you? Do you are you already starting on the 2024 prospects? Where's your head at? Right? No, I'm not. I, I I have like a rough top 10 list because I'm addicted and can't get away from it, but I like I'm leaving it there for several months. <laughs> I wanted to do my pre, like my you know, everyone does a way too early board. I did it. I don't want to publicize it ever. I'm just for myself and then it's going it's going it's getting locked away in the vault that's how we'll we'll put that um listening to podcasts listening to our resident capologist um and also that Paul George Julius Randall interview that's the another podcast i listened to recently mm-hmm. thought that was good i've been reading i've been reading books this is wow. like a this is like a summer of media for me you know it's you <laughs> summer of texts physical books yeah Unbelievable. Lost art. Still not done with uh tank into the top. So that's okay. that, to be fair, I didn't I did not finish it either. That's where we're <laughs> but at. But it was really good. I very much enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. I just didn't get to the point of finishing it. Yeah, but. chapter four is <laughs> no. All right, I got a little bit further than that. I, yeah. yeah, no, I'm not far at all. I I I just I'm the worst at sticking to something. So Mr. Weitzman, sorry. But great work. I'll I'll be there soon. So yeah, that's what that's what we got going on. A whole lot. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, Chris, listen, I'll let you take over from here. Uh, Thank you all so much. See you for the live stream on Friday. Really excited for it. Uh, Nothing else else really to plug. So uh, take it away, Chris. Hey, man. Thanks for being you. I was actually tuned in in the car on my way to get to to my mom's job. So (laughs) I enjoyed what I heard. I I didn't play it while she was in the car, though, because... Well, I'll stick around and watch you but, but from behind the scenes or at least on the YouTube page. So, uh, all right. Take it easy, y'all. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. As always, an honor to listen to your capitulations, your capology, your capologism. Man, whatever it is you do, you're a PhD expert, incredible at it. And I got to say, that was one heck of a show. Go join us over. There is a new link now. You will see it on Twitter. You will see it on YouTube. It's time for my hour here on Nick's Film School. We had Ask Jeremy. Now it's time for Ask KP. And let's hear from you guys. Let's get your questions. I can't wait to talk to you all. I'll see you right over on that new link. Mm-hmm.